Christmas season is one of the, I think one of the most precious moments that we have to connect with Father God's heart. It's it's a wonderful opportunity to learn something about His heart that I think also gets lost during this season because people are desperately searching for hope. And so for this season, it's almost a contradiction of terms for some people because it's supposed to be a, a joyful time, a, a hopeful time, a, a time of family and friends and rejoicing and, and having festivities that uh, just are just pure fun. And yet, we live in a dark, disturbing world. So the question remains, you know, can we have hope? Real Lasting, substantial hope. I think we can. I think the answer to that is an obvious answer of yes, yes, we can. Because the word promises us that. In Romans 15, 13, maybe not quite a Christmas verse that we're used to. But listen to this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So I think Christmas is the perfect time to rediscover how the Father imparted hope into a hopeless world. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together. Thank you that you have promised to be with us always. So we ask, Father, we invite the Holy Spirit into our midst right now. We say, have your way with us today. Open our hearts and our minds and our spirits and everything that that might be closed off to you to receive everything that you have for us. We give ourselves to you. I ask that right now that you, indeed you would empty me of myself. And that you would fill me with your words, with your spirit, with your, everything that you can possibly channel through me today for everyone, including myself. So that we might receive something, that we might catch a vision, that we might understand this wonderful gift that you've given us, this gift of hope. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to tell you two different stories today. Two radically different Christmas experiences for me. I want to tell you these stories, and then I want to mix in with the, the greatest rescue story that, that anyone has ever de- devised, and that's the birth of Christ. And I hope by the mixing of these stories today that you're going to catch a vision of hope that maybe has eluded you or maybe seems distant for your heart today. Certainly, I need an infusion of hope constantly. You know, it, uh, uh, the human heart does not do good without hope. The human heart desperately needs hope to survive, to be alive. So I want to tell you some stories about some Christmas experiences for me. And I want to tell you the first one. Christmas was a mixed bag of goods for me for for many years. Growing up in an abusive home will, will do that to a person. And I don't remember many Christmases because we were poor and we didn't celebrate it a lot. But there was one that I, that I remember, and I remember you know, as if it happened yesterday. 
I was about seven years old, and my father was a violent, violent, angry man. You've heard me tell some stories. Uh, and often he would be angry about something that we would never know that he was angry about. We never knew the reason why he was angry. He didn't explain himself. But we knew he was angry. So this one Christmas morning, in a fit of rage, he was so angry, so mad at something, that he took the tree, he took all the presents, and he threw them outside in the snowbank. It was crazy, this, this rage that he went into. No one was allowed to say anything. No one was allowed to whine or complain. We just went upon our day. I was seven years old. I looked out the window, saw the tree, saw all the presents wrapped and still in uh, on the snowbank, and you know people driving by, walking by, just looking at what this display was. It was a weird Christmas display. It was just very strange. So, uh, for years, that kind of shaped how I looked at Christmas, even as a, a young adult. But God did something in my seven-year-old heart that maybe seems, it seemed unbelievable at the time, but he started to instill a sense of hope in my heart back then. Although the circumstances wouldn't have, would not have seemed that he did so, they would do so with that story. But he did. But I think in order to, to move, before I go to the next story, I think it's, it would be good to get a definition of hope started. The dictionary's definition of hope is, is simple and, and pretty easy to understand. To look forward with reasonable confidence, to believe, to desire, to trust. But if you're like me, that's, that's not a good enough definition. That's an incomplete definition of hope. So I think in order to understand hope, how I think God understands hope, I think we've got to go back 2,000 years and look how God formulated what hope looked like 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. And we need to kind of understand the Jewish mindset a little bit about hope. Because the Jewish mindset towards hope is a radical way different than the way we even think today and certainly the way uh, most people thought. It's radically different how they approach hope. Hope is central to the Jewish culture. You're talking about a people that experienced occupation upon occupation of a foreign country. That uh, experienced exile after exile. Devastation upon devastation. You're talking about people that this was part of their existence as a culture. 2,000 years ago, they're still waiting for a promised Messiah. And he has not appeared. These people understand hope in a way that we don't understand hope. And there's this wonderful Jewish word. They have many words. The Jewish culture has many words for hope. At least a dozen words that that signify hope. But there's one that they prominently use. And it is the word tikva. Tikva. If you're looking at how to spell it, it's T-I-K-V-A-H. Tikva. And it means to bind together with a strong cord. To bind together with a strong cord. So if you can imagine, 
taking a rope with your hands, okay, wrapping it around yourself, tying it securely, knowing full well what you have just tied yourself to is safe and secure and will keep you safe and secure. That is the, that is the mental picture of what that word means to the Jewish people. That is hope to them. It knows that they are, they are connected to their past. They have tied something to their past and they're tied something to their future so that their present is secure. So they know that they are safe. It doesn't matter the circumstances. They are tied to what God has done in the past. They are tied to the promises to what God is going to do in the future. And they have hope where they are right now. The mindset of the Jewish people back then, 2,000 years ago, is crazy, crazy good. And this word tikva means so much to them that the Jewish, the Hebrew national anthem is called ha-tikva, which means the hope. They sing this song. It's a very short national anthem. But basically, it's about their hope. So 2,000 years ago, God allows the Savior to be born into a dark, desperate, hopeless situation. He, he allows the Savior to be born. He allows him to come, God to come in, in, in human form to, to basically show people this, that what seemed impossible is not impossible to God. See, hope is is the belief that redemption is possible. Hope does that. It makes us believe that redemption is possible. And that's what Jesus, Jesus' whole, whole purpose was really to bring hope to us in, in the form of redemption. So Tikva connects the past with the future. It remembers the faithfulness of God in the past. And it looks forward to, to God fulfilling his promises in the future. And because of that, our now is secured. We could be connected to hope. Here's how the cord was connected for me in these two stories. In the... In my early 20s, I traveled with a gospel rock band called Charismata. I've mentioned it before. And besides seeing gigs, we did other things. And we went, at one Christmas, we went down to the Bowery Mission in, down in New York City to work at the soup kitchen. We got there really early in the morning. The line to, for people waiting to be fed was all the way around the block. It's a crazy amount of people. We met with the leaders, and it was a salvation-run organization, so we met with the leaders prior to it, and they would tell us how the gig would go that day. What would happen is that uh, they would start people coming into the chapel first to hear a, a brief Christmas message, and then that group would go into the cafeteria to be fed, and on and on and on until you know, the food ran out. It would, it would go on all day long and well into the night. I was surprised that one of the leaders asked me to give a message. To give a message. I was pretty shocked at the moment, believe it or not. Although Mike believes I had a multitude of words coming out of me, I was kind of silent <laughs> at that moment. But I want you to picture something. Go back to that earlier story and imagine gifts in the snow. Imagine what that looks like. Keep that in your mind for a moment. 
So I'm asked to give a brief Christmas message. And I'm on stage while there's a guy leading in some Christmas choruses for the people that are coming in. And, and okay, you have to imagine this crowd. This, this is a group of people that have been on the street all night long. It's cold. It was bitterly cold that, that Christmas. Most of them are either have been intoxicated or are still intoxicated. They don't smell very well. And almost as an instantaneously, they come out of the cold and they sit down in a very nice, warm chapel, unlike this one, a very warm chapel. And immediately, most of these people do what? Fall asleep. Fall asleep. And I'm sitting up there. I'm saying, what am I going to say to half asleep, half drunk people? That's that going to make any, any resemblance of a difference in their life. I'm sitting up there, and the door would open and shut as people followed in. And I saw it started to snow. And God spoke. And God said, these are my gifts in the snow. They have been thrown away. I want you to tell them that I want them home. Still connected. So, I stand up and I start to tell them the Christmas story, basically. About angels and visions. How God sent his son to die for them. How he wanted them underneath another tree. A cross. That would redeem them from their sins. I told them about shepherds, shepherds who who were pretty much unwanted people and you know segregated people. They were the first ones to hear about the gospel. They were the first ones to see the Messiah. And now God was here in this place, speaking to them, wanting them to come home to his house. Message was over. I prayed to release them into the cafeteria and was waiting for the, the next group to come in, thinking nothing really transpired. As everyone left, there was one young man my age that came forward. He started to tell me his story. His father has just thrown him out onto the cold months prior before Christmas. And something about my story inspired him to have hope. He wanted to meet this Messiah. We prayed. He went into the cafeteria to eat. Before he left, he said, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to ask my father to forgive me. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know even if he'll take me back in. But I'm going to ask him for forgiveness. I was speechless. Believe it or not. Two thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, God spoke a message of hope. It traveled across time to a from a small little dinky town in, in Israel to a small little dinky chapel in New York City and spoke hope to a young man. Tikva, hope connecting the past and the future and for the now.
hope inspires. Hope inspires. Hope inspires. Tikva. Tikva. Wow. Let's look at Romans fifteen thirteen again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that by the power, the miracle strength is what that word means. The miracle strength of the Holy Spirit so that you may abound. Oh, not just abound. Super abound, that word means. That you have an excess that it's running over, that you have much more than you can even contain. That's what that word means. Super abound. In hope. In hope. We have the God of hope. As it says, the God of hope living inside of us. Emmanuel, God with us, God with us, God in us. The God of hope. The God of hope living inside of us. This, this, hope is relational. It's a community thing. It's something that we share and spread around. That we use to inspire other people. Hope is central to the gospel message. Hope is central to the gospel message. We bind ourselves to this God of hope. I can't get away from that. Think about this for a moment. The God of hope. The God of hope. The God of hope who what? Lives here. The God of hope lives here. He's committed to live here. He desires to live here. He wants to live here. This is the God that has promised to, to never leave us or forsake us or to leave us as orphans. This is a God of hope, of tifa, a strong core that binds our heart with His. Hebrews six eighteen through 19 says this, So that, that by two unchangeable things... In which it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement to hold fast to that hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast. Those two words mean exactly the same thing. It means a firm, something firm holding on to something that's a secure source. Okay? So we have a sure and steadfast anchor, and that word means safeguard, of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Hope makes sure that there is nothing that keeps us from being in the presence of God. We, can, we have been given access beyond the veil. We can enter the holiest of holies, and guess what? Stay there. Never leave it. Because why? Because the God of hope lives here. The God of hope is always with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. We can go beyond the veil and we have that hope. 
Look, I, I know we need a strong cord just to get us through the day. And you, I see this, and you probably see this too. Everywhere you go, people are looking for hope. They may not admit it, but that's what they're looking for. You can see it on their faces, blank or otherwise. You can hear it in the words that they use. It's everywhere. And, and even in Christmas time, you know, you can see people trying to break, break out of that and try, and try to reach for hope. So they, they sing carols. They sing carols they would never, ever sing before. They will sing joy to the world, even though they don't believe in that God. They will sing it. I believe it's because their heart is looking to break out of that hopelessness. So, so they'll do festive things. They will set up a tree. They will buy gifts and be as generous as they possibly can. They'll even throw dollars in a, in a uh, red kettle that's guarded by some poorly dressed Santa in order to, to, to make a connection. I think it's a beautiful thing that they're trying to reach out. And that this season affords us a great opportunity. A huge opportunity to speak hope into people's lives. First Peter 3.15, again, another Christmas verse. I don't think we usually associate with Christmas. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope you have. For the hope that you have. Christmas is an awesome time to connect people with the God of hope. To connect them with the story of Christmas. To tell them things like, the 2,000 years ago, God established a beachhead into humanity's life to deliver a message of hope. You know, they'll sing songs like Joy to the World. They'll sing songs all little town of Bethlehem. But these, all these stories, all these songs have stories. Old little town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread. How can we connect that with Jesus? Jesus said what? I am the bread of life. Bread is nourishment to man's stomach. Jesus is much more than that. The, the bread of hope. Is what he is. We can use these stories for avenues to talk about the gospel. To share. I, you know what? I can't remember, and this is sad, but I'll make this a mission. I can't remember the last person to ask me, why are you so hopeful? I don't say that as an indictment. I say that, you know, what is in my life right now that is not showing the hope that I have? It's amazing that we forget that there's a God of hope living inside of us. I think hope is a binding agent. Those who cook, you know what a binding agent is. It's, it's, it's an ingredient that, that helps all the uh, other things that you're trying to make this dish to, so they all stay together in, through the cooking process. Eggs, flour, breadcrumbs, right? They're, they're binding agents. I think hope is that too because, you know what, 
We need, someone, we need something to keep us together through the cooking process of life. Trials, heartaches, disappointments, fear. Everything that's trying to cook the life out of us. Hope is binding agent that helps us to see what God did in the past. What he's promised to do in the future. Wrap that around myself so tightly. So securely that I say, you know what? Because I know what he's done for me. And because I know what he's promised to do for me. I can have hope right now. Right now. I can have hope. I can have hope. What it also binds, it binds gratefulness and faith together. Gratefulness looks back. Gratefulness looks back at all those things and we praise God. We say, thank you, God, for what you have done. Gratefulness looks back and it, and it fuels faith. It fuels faith. Faith, I think, energizes hope. And hope is forward-looking. It looks, it looks forward to what God is going to do with a whole new attitude. Oh, Father, it's because of what you've done for me in the past, what you have delivered me from, what you have carried me from, what you have delivered me from. Oh, your promises to... Yeah. Yeah, I have hope. I have hope now. And my faith is energized because of those two things binding me together with your heart. Hope is crazy good. Amen. It's just crazy good. The purpose of hope is to keep us alive, pulsating with the life of Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, by the God who of hope who lives inside of us. See, abounding with hope means we're soaked with hope. That we're saturated with hope. That we're dripping hope. That we're spraying hope. That we are so filled and so abundantly filled and so overfilled that we can't help but inspire other people with the hope that's inside of us. That's the power of hope. And it's nothing that we do. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God who's inside of us, encouraging us, strengthening us, filling us, and speaking out of us. See, hope helps us realize that our stories matter. That our lives matter to God. See, the, the two stories of, that I shared with you show exactly that, that our lives matter. That, see, I can look back at that incident without shame or pain because I know what God has done for me. See, I can look back with gratefulness. And I can tie that story to me because, you know what, that story speaks of his faithfulness. It was a hard situation. It was it was awful experience. However... Hope shows us redemption is possible. And so that's a redeeming story now. See, that's a story of redemption. Because God restored not just the, the feeling of Christmas, not just the experience of Christmas, not just the celebration of Christmas, but of the God who really Christmas is all about. The God of hope. Hope connects us with what God did in the past, what he promises to do in the future. 
The God of hope lives in us. Powerful hope flows from that relationship. Hope is oxygen for our souls. You know, you can live without food for a while. You can live without water for a while. You can't live without air very long. And a human soul cannot live without hope for very long. Hope is oxygen. It breathes life into a soul, into our lives. Hope is essential. And that's, I believe, one of the reasons why God lives here. Because he knows we need hope. We leak. We forget. We believe other things besides the truth. We lose hope. We lose it. But we don't have to. We don't have to lose hope. Because the God of hope I said it a lot today, but it just spoke to me. The God of hope lives here. Promising never to leave us or forsake us. Okay, just to sum up, hope makes you believe that redemption is powerful. Hope is staying power because of what we're connected to. Hope reminds us that our lives matter. Hope connects. Hope brings life. Hope is relational. And hope inspires others. So this Christmas season, when we have great opportunity, when people's hearts and spirits are are Seemingly open to the gospel like no other time in, 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 throughout the year. You know, they've cut a lot of stuff out in this world. Yes, I understand. But you know, you can still hear Christmas carols just about any place you go. I hear joy to the world all the time. And that is true. That's the hope that there is joy to the world. I tell you good news of great joy. Born this day to you in the city of Bethlehem, the city, the the house of bread, is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What a story. What a story. And to be able to, to connect people with hope makes them more open to the gospel message. When people realize that there's hope, they'll believe in him. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you will continuously teach us about your heart, your character, your, the things that you express to us. And we thank you that you are a God of hope today. We thank you for hope. We thank you for what you speak to us in hope, what you speak through us in hope. And we ask that you would, you would help us be expressions of hope, that we would be able to give an answer for why we are hopeful, even though circumstances are not good. Even though times are hard, even though there's grief and sorrow and pain and fear, we can tell them that we still have a hope in spite of all those things. Because we know what we're tied to, what you have done for us, what you're going to do for us, and what you're doing now in our lives. So we ask that you release that more in our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, we pray that we will walk in hope. 
and that we would, uh, we would saturate everybody around us with it, with the hope of Jesus, who has come to redeem the world and bring love and bring peace and bring joy. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen.